Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Lakers Detailed. I am your host, Vinay, and I'm here with my co-host, Raj. Raj, how are you doing this wonderful Saturday evening? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm so happy. I think I, you know, I told you uh, offline, I was like, man, I, I really want to keep keep the picks. I was very yeah. adamant. I was adamant. I was hellbent. I was psychotic almost on like, you have to make these selections and I'm so glad they did. Not only did they do that, they moved up. But uh, no, I'm I'm glad, man. It's a beautiful Saturday. A couple of weeks before the summer league, I'm you know I'm all packed, not packed, but I'm all ready for that mentally. Um, got the car rented, and you know all the all the side stuff you have to do to make the. We're very fortunate, Vinay. We're in Southern California. Yes. Getting to Vegas is a three and a half hour drive. So yes, a drive that I still complain about. I don't know about you, but I still. I, I still well, end up I, complaining about, but I, I tend to, I usually, because I know I'm going to go well in advance. I always wait uh, for the super cheap $40 flights that go there. Right. So right. I, I always fly in uh, to Vegas, but again, that's like a 45 minute flight. So what am I complaining? I, I, there's nothing for me to complain about. Honestly, let, let, let me ask you this because this is the first year I actually looked at flights. I was like, wow, yeah. these are pretty affordable. I'm guessing yes. you fly from the Ontario airport. Yes. I do. Okay. So I'm, 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 you know, we're both in the IE. Um, I yes. fly out of Ontario. Super easy to get in out of. Uh, takes 40 minutes to get to Vegas. 40 minutes to get back. <laughs> there's like, t- there's like a thousand flights a day out of that, out of the airport. So, so that fifty dollar flight is safe. I looked at that. I'm like, <laughs> man, that, that flight, that flight should not be cheaper than my Uber to LAX. Like, there's like that's that's not that's not that. That frontier flight, like I just, you know, I looked at it. I'm like, man, that just, that does not look, you know, that does not look safe. Does the plane go up, you know, in the, you know, regular <laughs> manner? And it, it's only an hour, so I'm sure I can't complain too much. I'm just like, I look at those flights. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm, I don't, I don't know. As a, as a, I, I can vouch for Frontier. I can vouch for okay. Southwest. I have not taken Spirit, so I can't vouch for them. Um, you know, every other major airline I've taken, the flights are very safe. Uh, All right. It's just. You know, there's always, I think there's a lot of people who work maybe like between both places. So like the flights are pretty common, mm-hmm. but then like, mm-hmm. you know, there's always flights out there. So I would highly encourage folks, especially with the cost of gas nowadays, if you can fly, fly, uh, if you're flying yeah. out of Southern California, at least. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's out, you know, obviously with, with Victor, it supposedly it looks like Victor Romagnana is going to be also be playing in summer league too. So we're mm-hmm. hoping that, you know, we get a couple of games, um, the Laker game for the first day on July 7th is the last game of the day. So I know it's, it's like an eight, eight o'clock at night game. So I'm mm-hmm. fully expecting it to be like very raucous, um, very hyped. So I'm, I'm, I'm just excited for it. I'm excited to see just exactly like you said, you know, we kept the picks. We didn't trade them. We got a kid in the second round who we'll, who we'll talk about, like who yep. looks like a phenomenal player. Um, I'm very excited to see him. We also got two guys on two-way contracts that look like they can be impact guys. Um, one of them happens to be Austin Reeves, you know, rep, rep by Austin Reeves' agent. And we know yep. how that experience has gone so far. It's been really great. So it's just, it's a lot to look forward to. Um, yep. But before we get into that, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff that was going on um, beforehand, you know, like the the, the week of the draft or, the, you know, this week, basically, mm-hmm. earlier this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there was a lot of speculation that the Lakers were going to move the pick. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of um, well-sourced writers were saying that 
uh, and, and we did a pod on it. We we, we covered yeah. some trade scenarios. There was discussions about Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, the the good old Miles Turner and Buddy Heald options too, mm-hmm. as well. And you know there were play, there were players that were floated around, and uh, there really no trade kind of really seemed to be getting close. But right prior to the trade, the Lakers made a move, or sorry, to the draft, the Lakers made a move. Um, they draft uh, they trade with Denver, I believe. Uh, they trade and send some cash and uh, no, sorry, not Denver, Indiana, Indiana. Uh, mm-hmm. They move from the 47th pick to the 40th pick. And it's, it's awesome to see Lakers Twitter, like any kind of small thing gets <laughs> like a, a level of buzz where it's like, this could be monumental. And it was very mm-hmm. cool to see like people just, all we did was move up seven spots in the, in the second round. And everybody's just like, who are we going to grab? Like this guy's right. going to be the guy, like they wouldn't move up and spend this kind of money if it was going to happen. What were your thoughts like when when they made that? Uh, it, yeah, when you, when you saw that news again, like I was another. I was just saying I was I really wanted them to make selections in the draft, and then moving up seven spots told me that they had someone they liked, obviously there, um, or they thought would be in that kind of forty range, right? I, I think they kind of tier the players um, in terms of who they like more. But no, I was excited, man. Uh, they paid a hefty price. I think it was like four million dollars in change. Um, to move up seven spots. I think that's also the max that you can pay for yes. a draft pick um, in, in terms of the CBA or something. But uh, I was excited. They made the – when it was getting closer to 17, you heard kind of the rumors continue to speculate, speculate like, oh, they may move it, they may move down. But, uh, I, you know, Vinay, I mean, you're gonna, I'm sure you'll you'll give more info in terms of, like, what, what you heard and stuff like that. But um, I just don't think there was a deal available. Like, I think we went through the options too, right? We were going through the back and forth, and you were asking me – uh, we were playing the, you know, flip that contract game yes. and I was saying, and, you know, you were going through the names and there was just very few that I thought were worth it. That were, you know, that, that made it worth it to drop whatever spots it would be. So I'm, I'm really glad that they took the player. Now that doesn't mean this player will hundred percent stay with the team, but usually draft picks lose their value instantly by the time that they're picked. Yep. Um, after they're picked, their value drops immensely because a team would like to choose the player at that spot. Um, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm really glad. And even selfishly, like for summer league, I, I told you this before, like for summer league, we get a few players to, they have some name recognition, right? Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm sure the undrafted guys, we can get into those later too, but just to get two guys who have some name recognition that have some like equity on the board in terms of like what other mock drafts have them higher or whatever. Um, it's just nice to go into summer league with something really exciting. And uh, I think these are two guys we'll get into them that can contribute, um, pretty soon here. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so there was behind, you know, from what I've been hearing behind the scenes, there were a few deals that the Lakers were potentially being, you know, being rumored to be part of. Mm-hmm. One of the ones which was actually uh, largely publicized uh, was that that Porzingis trade, right? So the, the Porzingis trade that that landed him in Boston, it was supposed mm-hmm. to be the Clippers that were supposed to send Marcus Morris to right. uh, the, the expiring contract. And then Malcolm Brogdon was supposed to go to um Malcolm Brogdon was supposed to go to the Clippers. So the funny part about that is that there was a discussion that was that I was having with somebody um, about that because we didn't know who the third team was going to be. So we were trying to speculate as to who the third team was. And I was like, oh, I wonder if the Lakers would be one of the teams that were interested because the, the, the intel that I had been given was that the, the player that they were Boston was trying to trade at the time was Brogdon. So I was right. just like, hmm, I wonder if the Lakers would send Malik Beasley to Washington and then take on Brogdon. Like you would think it's taboo that the Lakers would even make a deal with Boston, but it's really Boston wants Porzingis, so they don't they don't really care. And I was like, well, if you get Malcolm Brogdon, he's 
you know, kind of a pretty, he's not as healthy as you'd like him to be, but mm -hmm. just one six man of the year, I think. Um, Definitely upgrade guard. over Malik yeah, Beasley. He's, he's been a starter. Sure. He played in that Buck system before he, he went to Indiana. Um, mm -hmm. So it's like, I wonder if the Lakers were one of these, that one of those LA teams. And, um, you know, the Clippers were the rumored team at, you know, that, that sent Marcus Morris. And then the trade fell apart because of Malcolm Brogdon's injury. Now, what I had heard is after that trade fell apart, there was a call placed to the, the Celtics with some interest from our team about taking on Malcolm Brogdon. But the mm. problem is that his elbow might be French fries. Like he, it may be, his elbow might be completely deep fried. And so yeah. the Lakers were also afraid of his, his medical situation. Cause they can't, you know, you can't granted you're trading, you know, a guy that you might, you're probably going to cut, mm. but you just can't risk mm -hmm. it, you know, uh, having, having that on there. But there was some murmurings. There was some conversation about the Lakers possibly inserting themselves in after the Clippers bowed out. Um, yeah. Ultimately that trade ends up, being completely different, Marcus Marcus Smart gets traded to the Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies trade Tyus Jones, and then Boston gets away with two first rounders in the process. Which was, mm -hmm. I was playing basketball <laughs> at the time. I was like, I went back to my phone and I was like, sat down. I was like, what is going on? How did these guys get two first round picks? And yeah, they got the best player I would say in the trade, um, and they got two first rounders out of it. Like, I was shocked. It was, it was a pretty good trade for Boston. Yeah. Yeah, so I, you know, the first round picks, I think, were obviously were the story. But I mean, if you take a little closer look, I think they're really late first, something yeah. like something like that, right? Um, yeah, it was shocking. First of all, think about it from Marcus Smart's perspective, where like a Brogdon failed physical or whatever is the reason that he gets shipped out. You know, so I'm sure yeah. like he was he was ready to move forward with the team. Reminds me a little bit of that like Chris Paul deal where like that was done, uh, and now like you have to go back, right? Marcus Morris can't go back to the Clippers now. I don't. Yeah, think. I don't they, know. If they Boston, have to be shopping. Yeah, I don't think Boston can like keep Malcolm Brogdon. That you know they're saying that with a public face. I think it's so interesting. The they got the best player in the deal. I guess they did from like just in terms of a talent standpoint. I don't trust Porzingis to stay healthy. I don't think he's getting an extension. I trust Marcus Smart to be awesome in Memphis. I think that's exactly you know what they you know I think that's exactly what they needed. He's the Dylan Book Brooks replacement. He just takes way less volume shots. I think like he's a leader on that team. I like that deal for Memphis. I think getting that for Tyus Jones is nice. Boston, I think it's interesting, man. I think when you I know heart of the team is stuff that you can't really um you can't really tell in terms of stats or whatever. That's a tough thing to kind of identify. But I do think Smart was important for them and trading out trading that out for Porzingis Reminding me a little bit of like the Lakers losing Lamar Odom. Like that was a talent sure. that got out of the league that got sent away, but it wasn't just the talent. You talk around all those players around that team. It's like Lamar Odom was the heart, right? Lamar Odom was the guy that kept everyone together. You hear that same kind of verbiage with Marcus Smart on that team. Um, he's the only guy that like when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown decide to ISO 3 million times, he's the only guy that goes up and like, Hey, let's move the ball a little bit. Let's get some motion in. Um, now that guy's shipped off, so I'm interested to see what they do. Again, Porzingis is a hell of a talent. I think he's more of like a pick, pick, pick and pop big than people yeah. realize. Um, he's a guy that wants to shoot a 40 footer over like a, you know, a contested 15 footer. I think that's like the gap in his game, but he's going to help their spacing. I think Boston's still be going to be good. I just, I don't think it's as much of a home run as I'm seeing. Um, what do you think? How do you, how do you see that? Fit? Yeah. You know, the, the, a part of it's kind of strange. Like, I understand. Well, I mean, some I want to understand what it is like. So one of the things I will say is him going to Boston. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think they might utilize him 
I don't think they're going to unearth some new version of him. I think they're just going to mm -hmm. try and use maximize kind of what he's good at and minimize what he's not good at. The real question is, is like, well, you traded Marcus Smart. He's not really a pick and roll ball handler. And you got Porzingis who's going to be like a pick and pop partner. But what are you going to mm -hmm. run pick and roll? Are you going to run have him run pick and pops with Jason Tatum, like Jalen yep. Brown? Who is he running it with that's going to do that, like make you guys, you know, t take you guys to the next level? Like if you pair him with a guy who's like an extraordinary rim attacker, then that would make a ton of sense to me because now you have that inside outside balance when you run those actions. So I'm not quite sure. Like what? They're, like they still have Robert Williams. They still have Al Horford. They have yeah. Grant Williams. Like I, I, I don't know. Like they're Boston feels like a team uh, that keeps getting very very close to the end. But you know sometimes their stars just don't. You know like the game seven. Like Jalen Brown has a terrible game seven. Like you yep. just lose those games because you had a really bad game. But you don't want to overreact too much a certain way. So I'm I'm really curious, you know, why, why they they went in this direction and and what else? I, it feels like there there has to be some other moves coming. Like you can't it can't just be this. Um, I, I'd be shocked think, if it's just this. I think part of it is just like doing something to do something. You know what I mean? Like you kind of yeah, need a change be. and like just look. I'm just looking at it from like the outside view, right? Obviously, Boston lives in its own universe, and they obviously they they probably hear the. Hey, why isn't I mean you won a championship? But I mean, look at Tatum and Brown's age. I mean, they're kind of in line with where people not to give Boston any credit here, but just like when you talk about like how young players, and it feels like they just broke up a team that's been pretty good that made the finals, yeah. you know, the year before. Um, they went down 3-0 to the Miami Heat, and that was kind of the end of them, but they, you know, won three three in a row um to make that series tied. I just like this feels like a move to do something just to do something. I'm interested to see how that works. Porzingis has a one-year deal left i don't think they're gonna extend him um i don't know i, I think it's an in interesting basketball fit it's also a bet on Derek white to me right i think Derek white was yeah. really good he was like he was basically closing games for them um and now they take away marcus smarts like i think marcus smart was like the best passer on that team i mean if you just look at like guys who can make plays he was kind of the one that was um making like the uh hockey assists and stuff like that but mm. yeah i'm interested to see the basketball fit for them i, I think porzingis just changes it changes fundamentally who you are, right? Like, sure. I think that changes what they are. Um, and to me, that's, you just talked about it, how, you know, they've gotten close so many times. I think it kind of kills your morale in terms of your belief of the team. Um, and so now they've they've completely gone a different direction. So I'm interested to see how that looks. But, uh, and then Jalen yeah. Brown's extension too, coming this yeah. summer, which is, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it might've been just a cost cutting move. Who knows? Who knows? You know, they, they mm -hmm. may have just been trying to get out of a big enough salary to like not, yeah. not be too far into the tax. Uh, there is a part of this a, a part of this trade that I do want to discuss, um, which is, I think it's like I, it's it's just it's not a rant, but I just want to mention this because I had read a lot of people in my mentions after I tweeted this. You know, so Tyus Jones got traded to Washington, and Washington is basically mm -hmm. tearing tearing it down. Um, Tyus is one of the best backup point guards in the league, and mm -hmm. like assisted turnover ratio. If you watch him, he's a very safe player. He makes very safe plays. Doesn't do risky stuff. Has a nice um, floater, all that sort of stuff. So I sort of tweeted out at the time. No, I tweeted out. I was just like, you know, Lakers should be calling about Tyus Jones because you mm -hmm. know if the Wizards are just selling off parts for second round <laughs> picks, I'm sure we can scrounge up a second round, a really you know, a slightly useful second round pick to send. Yeah. I got a lot of like messages like, did you see us play him off the floor? What did he do against us? Do against us in the playoffs? 
And I was just sitting there. I was just like, I get it. Like, I understand. Like, he's like, oh, he's a midget. We don't want any more midgets. Small on guard. It's like, yeah. oh, like, I get it. But we still, like, I just want to take a step back for a second. Like, I think folks need to understand we need to play 82 games before we get right. into the playoffs. Like, I understand that every trade that we make, you're thinking about the playoffs. And I agree. We are thinking about the playoffs. But we have to mm-hmm. also get there. And if I can get sure. a guy who can spell LeBron James enough regular season minutes or allow the Lakers to win enough games when LeBron isn't playing or Anthony Davis isn't playing so that they're completely fresh in the playoffs, I'm okay with trading a player like that. Like I'm like as much as I would like to be able to grab as many 82 game and 16 game players that there are around the league, those guys are very expensive and very hard to come by. And whether Tyus is a 16 game player or not, he definitely is an 82 game player. And we definitely sure. need somebody like that. So like, you know, Lakers have had some issues with like backup point guards and obviously with the draft, we may have addressed some of that too, but it's just like, there's been like a lot of pushback on any trade that we do or like any trade I've seen. Like I always see in every comment when somebody, when even somebody yeah. else on, like Yovan or, or some writer mentions it, like every response to it's like, Oh, he's going to get played off the floor. He's going to play. Dude, the entire team got played off the floor in the Western Conference Finals. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. Sweat. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> I'm not saying we have to like take whatever comes to us, but it's like this guy can be very clearly productive in in his role and and help us survive 80 games, 82 games. And really, what we need is just to keep winning when when our one of our two stars is unavailable. So as long yeah. as, and if we're trading a guy like Michael Beasley for Tyus mm-hmm. Jones you're getting a, a guy you can use for a guy that you don't want to use. And so that, yeah. what, what do you think about that? Like, have you been seeing that or, or am I crazy? Am I, am I thinking too hard? No, no, no. So what I've seen is like, well, they, can they play against Denver? I'm like, well, that's, the, that's like, the, you know, that's, that's very the amount specific. Of guys, yeah. No. So like, cause obviously that's, that's the most recent, right? right. So that's what's in everybody's mind. And I get it. Like, I understand uh, Denver series was, um, it's very like enlightening, right? It highlights yeah. uh, because the basketball level is so high that any kind of weakness is going to be picked on um, and shown to the forefront. But you're right. I think that's the wrong way to kind of look at it. Tyus Jones would be incredible. Michael Winger, I think, has been told, um, burn it down and don't leave any, you know, don't Bro, leave any marks from the yeah. last, you know, from the last regime. Just burn it all down, which, you know, credit to them. I think that's also like the easiest GM job to, ho- to do. Yeah. Like, oh, I can just sell off parts i can just go to anybody yeah. and be like hey just take this um so uh yeah like I, i've seen that as well it's why like i've you know i think i've seen pushback like you can't just let beasley go like i've seen just release malik beasley i mean that's a wrong <laughs> such a why <laughs> like oh, he's just, I mean, it's just, a... play him, just don't wave him just don't play him like it's okay also also like i think expiring contracts in my opinion are way more valuable at the trade deadline than now i feel like if you're not yeah. attaching a first round pick to it they also have way less salary that's guaranteed right by the deadline. Like if you have an expiring as it might have been a lot more value at that time than right now. But like Malik Beasley, I think is a guy that can help you in a reg in the, in a regular season context, like get sure. you through, just like you talked about, get you through an 82 game season. His gravity, I think has more pulled during the regular season reason season as well. Right. Um, like you miss a few shots, teams don't adjust to you as quickly and yada, yada. Um, Tyus Jones is a huge upgrade from that. And I think he's a guy that Washington should like i think they need nba players on that roster like sure, at least yeah. a few um so we'll see maybe they just hand the keys to jordan pool and say you know hit as many yeah. li- his hit as many cross um curb sides as you want you know like just 
you can he's, bend, yeah, you can, dude, I, he's gonna be you know it's, it's a good segue because i was yeah. literally just gonna talk about the move that they did make and we were gonna talk about the, the oh yeah so I'm washington flips chris paul to the warriors for uh jordan pool and i think a couple i think a first round picker i, I forgot what it was mm-hmm. whatever the, the warriors sent back that was the other big trade that sort of happened uh jordan pool is probably going to be like a top eight score points per game score sure. next season his job is going to be to go in and do as much entertaining stuff as he possibly can do and make shots for them. And he's going to, I don't know if he's going to be an efficient 30, but he's going to aim for 30 a night and, and, and before, shoot as much before as he we get to, to. Before we get to the, the basketball part of it, I just want to yeah. ask you, do they sell super low on Jordan Poole? Like I, like I get it. I just feel like, I feel like, so the title bought Jordan Poole one year of benefit of the doubt. And obviously yeah. the punch um, accelerated. I'm not going to say timelines, but accelerated decisions that had to be made, right? Um, it's a funny clip that's going around with Draymond being like, I don't really like Chris Paul. You know, it's like this. <laughs> but um, no, the Jordan Poole part is, is fascinating to me. He's at, well, he's like 23, 24. Yeah. Um, obviously not on a great contract, but it's also not like a, they didn't super max him. It's like a, what, it's like a 20, $28 million contract, I think, yeah. or whatever it is. Um, that's a really low sell to trade for a guy who's again hurt, that got sold off by a team that needs to win now. Uh, I just, I, I think that's fascinating. But the Jordan Poole part of it, let me ask you that. Is that, do you think they sold low or is this kind of what Jordan Poole's contract is and it's good to get off, get off of that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, like in terms of saving money this season, trading yeah. Jordan Poole didn't save the Warriors any money because Chris Paul's making more than Jordan Poole's. At least this season he is, you know, obviously they get out of his long-term salary, mm-hmm. but you know, I, another part of it is also like for me when I think about mm-hmm. it is you know I know I'm not going to pretend like I watch a ton of Warrior games I don't but I we got know, a close up look though I mean you play a team yeah. in a series I feel like you get a pretty first hand look at, at what they are yeah and and for me it's like I always thought that Pool especially last season when mm. Steph would go out Pool would come in and they wouldn't they wouldn't like miss a beat scoring wise and I was just like dude. This kid is gonna make this kid like just because he kind he doesn't play like Steph, but he has you know he's very smart, very crafty, knows how to use the same screens. He likes to pull up off the threes. He's deadly, deadly from range when especially when he's hot. You know, yep. he's he's deadly from range. Like I was just like this kid's gonna like extend their dynasty by forever. And obviously they, they won a championship two seasons ago, you yeah. know, and he was an integral part of that for one of the games that he was in. Um, and. I, you know, I don't know what's going on with that organization. You know, obviously Bob Myers is gone. There's also some speculation that I've seen that Draymond may not be, you know, he may take a bigger deal somewhere else. I've heard behind the scenes that the number that he wants is a number that's not even close to what the Warriors want to give him. So there's like right. a real chance that they may lose him. And that might be why they made the Chris Paul trade, you know, because they need another playmaking player, high IQ playmaker um, on the team. But I'm, I'm with you, dude. Like, one year like okay let me put it this way you traded jordan pool right if if draymond goes to another team he signs a free agent deal with another team you basically lost two guys when you should have disaster Mm -hmm. you you should have kept one of them right you like if you thought you were going to lose draymond or you you expected to lose draymond then you lose him but at least you still have jordan pool so like the locker chemistry and all that stuff is weird but i don't know maybe maybe the, the the whole punching incident you know there's been a lot of um you know, on our timeline. Yeah. NBA fans have turned into like police surveillance now, dude, apparently. So like they're recording, you know, what his interactions are with his, his bench mates and stuff like that. And 
It doesn't oh, look right, like it's right. been good. So maybe maybe the bridge had already been burned, you know, yeah, long, long yeah. before it. So but, maybe yeah, it's, I just, it's tough, man. He just helped you win a championship. That's really tough. He was in like he killed Denver in that first yeah. round series. We forget now because it's so long ago. Denver obviously was missing Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., yeah. all that stuff. But still, that dude was like, I think he's like 20-something a game. I think he had like 30 in his first playoff game. That's just, I think that's that's tough. For Chris Paul to me, like that's the one you got, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like you could sell it if, let's say I got another young player back or I even got picks back, right? But it's a salary dump for Chris yeah. Paul. On a team like this fit makes we, let's get into that because because Jordan yeah. Poole is gonna Jordan Poole is gonna shake thirty shots in Washington, blow your head off, dude. like go go crazy, like go you know do go yep. be, go go have fun. Uh, Chris Paul to the war, it's just like it's a guy that I thought was gonna be bought out. Like I I hundred I thought the clip. I thought so not. Too. I thought the clip. I thought the Clippers would maybe give some deals of guys like you know Robert Robert Covington who Ty Lue for some reason has a vendetta against. Um, and then Marcus Morris, who Clipper fans obviously, you know, would have given away for free. I thought like that'd be the contracts to like, okay, let's get Chris Paul. Maybe they get a second round or first round or whatever. No, you give up, you know, your most like Jordan Poole got a max deal la this last summer. Like this, it, this was like, this is a yeah. summer. Ago. Um, so I, I'm just like the basketball fit to me is so fascinating. They're saying like, yeah, Chris Paul can run their second unit. Have you met Chris Paul? Like, like you know, like. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 he plays at a completely different pace than what that team wants to play at. He plays much slower, much more methodical. Even when Draymond's playing like that point forward role, like mm -hmm. he's pushing the ball up the court, getting like yelling at his guys to run with him so he can set up open shooters. So sure. I'm very curious to see. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Paul does get moved one more time. Like, I, like some of it Ugh. makes me that trade. Some of it makes me feel like they had to use a first to get off of. So it was a salary dump. The cost of the salary dump was to get to give up a first or however, whatever they gave up to get Chris Paul. And then I think they're going to try and move Chris Paul to for maybe to get like break him up into into pieces. Chris Paul doesn't care because he just wants to not get his contract waived. He doesn't want to get waived and have to start begging for a contract from some. You don't think he's trying to win? You don't think Chris Paul is trying to win? Yeah, I mean, I think he's trying to win, but it's like, dude, it's like, you're not, you can't make it. Like, he can't make it to the end of his season. That's that's the issue. Like, but he's see, he's he's also we super all, old. But we all know that. Like, that that's yeah. something that's known. That's why, like, to me, the Warriors training for another player that is kind of breaking down yeah. when they need. Like the whole conversation around the Warriors, like, hey, they die when Steph sits. You know, when die yeah. when Steph sits, like they're dead. Yeah, let's trade for a guy who's not a regular season, like you know, mm -hmm. who you should not be giving you know a ton of burden to in the re regular season. It reminds me a little bit. It's not the exact same, but a little bit of like the. Do you remember the conversation when we got Russ? Right, it was like, yeah, Russ is gonna run the non-LeBron minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna have Chris, you're gonna have Russell Westbrook running second units, and obviously there were more to this, but. Sounds the similar conversations I'm thinking about Chris Paul. It's like, yeah, when Steph is off the floor, we're gonna run a pick and roll, slow offense. I'm like Steph plays like 30, 36 minutes a game. Like those those yeah. guys are gonna have to coexist. He's gonna set up Clay Thompson, I think. But I just think bringing another guy where like Chris Paul getting in that series was dare to be a shooter and just the age and like the age and the injury history. Like to me, that the trade makes no sense along with the basketball fit. Like if the basketball fit made sense and there was like some injury, you know, concerns, I would understand. When you have both, I'm 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 lost in terms of the the sense for this.
Yeah, the, the, the pace is the biggest thing because I think that's been like the largest issue for Phoenix. You know, we discussed mm -hmm. him, if the Lakers signed him off of mm -hmm. a buyout, how, you know, we I jokingly said, I mean, it was half joke, but like he does kind of play at the pace that Anthony Davis and LeBron want to play. Like, I know that the Lakers are one of the highest paced teams in the league, but that's also largely because of, you know, we would just have guys that just ran off of every miss um, and one or two of our players would hang back. It's not like all five guys were running down the floor every single time that happens in basketball quite a bit. And like, I just, I don't, I don't see how it makes sense. The other thing is that they get smaller, you know, like you're now like in crunch yeah. times, you're going to play Chris Paul. Like they may not, but they, you're going to play Chris Paul, Steph, Clay Wiggins and Draymond. If you bring Draymond, Oof. that's kind of a small lineup. And yeah. Chris Paul is not the guy, you know, he's not the defensive guy that he was before. He takes silly fouls. Sometimes um, he does flopping stuff that results in turnovers especially if he doesn't get calls again, like you're taking a guy who doesn't really play in like that flex motion offense that these guys like to run and all with all the split cutting and all that sort of stuff. And so it's like, okay. And then if you have Chris Paul and he's the one who's running the offense, what is Draymond doing? Like nobody's playing off of like, nobody's sticking to Draymond. So that's not going to be, right. so it's weird. You know, obviously these questions may get answered. You know, we'll, we'll find out what happens if they make any other moves. It's such a bizarre thing. Um, a really bizarre trade. Um, good for Jordan Poole. Good for all the guys that are going to go to the Wizards and stack up their stats because they're going to look really good there. Um, <laughs> the other news, not that it's really basketball related, but another thing: the Qatari Investment Fund. The first. Mm, right. This is not. This is not a big deal right now, but for folks that have been paying attention to the foreign investments that some of these companies are, or these, you know, countries are making into these teams, they bought a minority stake. I thought it was so funny that that news broke in between the two trades like because they, <laughs> right. they did the chris mm -hmm. paul trade that news dropped and then they did the update of how many picks you know the brad beal trade uh, resulted in um i thought that was hilarious because i was like dude these guys <laughs> have crazy money like the qataris do and um obviously the the, the uae and saudis you know they've invested right. in soccer messi's been being offered crazy contracts ronaldo's been offered crazy contracts for the folks that are into soccer and such sort of that stuff so they've got like, you know, endless pockets. And I thought yeah. it was fascinating to hear that this was the first time that a company from there invested into an into a US NBA team. Um, yeah. And I remember I told you this offline, a lot of NBA fans are, you know, tweeting at CJ McCollum that they, he, you know, he boned the, the NBA players the union. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with his negotiations, which I mean, to some degree, I understand the middle class probably got squeezed a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. but that CBA was about like the, yep. the, 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 the lower class billionaires versus the upper class billionaires. And a lot of the CBA language when it comes to the second apron has to do with that. And obviously that affects the Clippers that affects the Warriors. We're seeing the impact of it now, mm -hmm. but a part of it also makes me think that these NBA owners knew that there's going to be some foreign investing going on with a lot of these franchises. And some of these guys are not going to be able to keep up. You know, if, if mm -hmm. you know, a minority owner eventually becomes a majority owner and decides to buy them out, like the Wizards are only valued at like $4 billion. Like they could most likely just come in and <laughs> pay them straight cash if they wanted to buy the whole team. And obviously this is the business side. This is not the basketball side, but sure. I think the NBA, as it becomes more and more global, it'll be fascinating to see if these sort of foreign investments happen because now the level of play and the level of willingness to spend money and pay tax and all that sort of mm -hmm, stuff will mm -hmm. be, will be very interesting. So, 
you know, the, the CBA obviously was a big deal between the players and the owners, but there's a level of it that has to do with like, you know, the, the cash rich owners and, and, and the cash poor owners. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what happens, but, but look, man. I, it, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, I think they're going to be very careful which investments they allow in as well. Right. The league is, you know, oh, yeah. it will be very um, attentive to what investments are coming in. And basically that second apron was just for that. Right. Is to yeah. keep, you know, these type of these HBO owners from coming in and she like middle finger to your cap. Right. Like, I don't yeah. I don't care. That's basically what he did. Yeah. And I think I, I think I said this the last pod, but like these dudes don't care. Like yeah. these dudes who get their money from places that's not basketball it's very you know they can just come in have fun with it screw the team for eight years doesn't work just sell it for yeah. you know a, a crazy um a crazy value so um i think you'll see you see matt ishbia do this and i think you see this with new ownership right that's uh, um the new ownership theory where they come in and just say, makes a massive kind of yeah. overhaul deal um you just saw that with the suns i'm sure you'll see that in other places but so we saw yeah. it with the wolves wolves as well right yeah, with the go with the go bear deal, which is again awful that they'll deal with later. But um, but yeah, like uh, yeah, that that you know that money that came in, it was kind of it got, it went on under the radar. But I think that's what the second apron kind of is for. Yeah. I also think Vinay, you can't buy a title. Like I I, I firmly believe that in in my heart of hearts. Maybe you can like maybe the Miami Heat in two thousand uh losing track two thousand twelve um those guys took less money. So I don't know. Yeah, to to be fair, the players took pay cuts. So okay. yeah. But I mean, you think if Steve Ballmer couldn't write a check for a title, he wouldn't do that tomorrow? Yeah. Steve Ballmer would write a check tomorrow if that meant Kawhi played and Kawhi and PG played 60 games. It doesn't work. Like, like you, it just basketball, um, there's a lot more nuances. It's why we're here conversating about it. It's why it's interesting. I don't believe you can just write a blank check and win. The Memphis Grizzlies owner, I think, has the most money um, in the league as well. If you yeah, remember, they have one of the richest owners in the league. Well. Yeah. He's one of the richest people in the world. Like he's yeah. not, forget forget the NBA. Very true. And and he can't get his team to you know. So I think I and my point with that is like yes, this the new money is a big deal. I also think like the NBA is still a place where you have to have nuance. You have to guy have the guys that understand talent, that understand drafting, understand can't just go out and write a blank check and 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 win. So hopefully maybe that's maybe I'm just looking at the bright side. I'm just because we're yeah. one of the ownership groups that don't. Uh, Small, the small, small market <laughs> Lakers are, are yes. the small market Lakers, you know, we, we're just a mom and pop organization, <clears throat> father, daughter organization that, that, you know, just kind of making our making, way, trying to win championships. Making lem- picking the lemons out of the tree and making the yeah. lemonade by hand. We fight, we're fighting these kids from Oklahoma and they're undrafted and they're, you know, <clears throat> yeah. we're, we're getting, you know, we're just trying to, we're just trying to make our way and, and be a competitive team. Yeah. So, you know, a, a lot of stuff happened. There's a lot of pre-draft mm-hmm. speculation on the Lakers side. Then on the day of, uh, outside of moving up to the second, you know, moving up in, in the second round, there was obviously the, the they fully consummated the Bradley Beal trade, the Porzingis trade mm-hmm. happens, the Chris Paul trade happens, and it's largely quiet from then on. You yep. see a bunch of teams moving guys around, or not moving guys, but like moving picks around, really on the day of, um, but nothing, no extraordinary other other trades or anything like that happened. Yeah, obviously there's a lot of speculation at the time, you know we'd be remiss because this is like literally a daily conversation, whether Dame is going to be with the team or not, or whether he is unhappy. Obviously now there's like this weird thing going on where he's like acting like he doesn't want to leave and he's happy that he's there, even though that's literally like, apparently we don't have eyes and ears and brains to, to translate what he's been saying, you know, the, the past couple of weeks. So <clears throat> not too much drama, but, but it's interesting, but the drama really comes 
at least on the Lakers side, as to whether we were going to trade that pick. And yep. I don't know if you're watching the draft live, but like they like cut to commercial break before the Lakers pick. And it's just like, I remember I was sitting forever. there and I was just like, dude, the five minutes has to be up. There's no way yeah. that this is taking this long for us to come back to it. I was like, bro, I wonder if they're, you know, they're on the phone with somebody trying to make a trade. And then obviously they, they make the announcement that the Lakers pick is in and the Lakers make their pick. Um, and go, what was going through your mind? Like the five minutes, like, did, did you notice first and foremost, did you notice like, it 100%. felt like there's a weird delay with the game, uh, when it came to, came to that pick or with the draft when it came to that pick. Oh yeah, for sure. First of all, those five minutes took forever. It felt like every pick going up to the Lakers one. Um, and you know, the, the talk around the draft was that, um, the, the teams were looking for who dropped, right. Kind of like right. they want to see if their player would drop. And then you have to make a deal within that kind of front time frame. It's a tough place to negotiate from, like when you have five minutes to negotiate a deal. So, yeah, um, yeah like once it got past like 14 or 13, I was like, we're keeping this pick. Like, yeah. I don't think a deal is happening now. It, it, it just feels like we're going to, you know, we're going to keep the pick. But I was excited, man. It, it did take a long time. I'm sure Rob was taking, you know, phone calls. I don't know if you saw the video, but I thought it was cool that like he think like jesse right away he's like congrats man told jesse like congrats so it looks like that's a jesse bus pick um and maybe that's just what rob wanted it to look like but uh like, <laughs> but uh yeah no i was i was really glad how about you well yeah you no I, I was glad you know obviously my only my only like caveat for trading the pick was like just get back an impact guys like that, that we can use if you're going to trade the pick mm -hmm. um but i'm you know i'd like to keep the pick you know we don't know not that is wrong you know i i understand like the sentiment of folks saying that you have to go all in for mm -hmm. lebron and ad because you don't know whether they're going to be there but i also understand the sentiment of people saying look if you can find a guy that you know eventually develops into a starting caliber player for your team beyond you know on, on a mm -hmm. rookie scale salary that can help us now and you know turn into something a little bit later i like that too and mm -hmm. you know for a team for fans you and i uh that we hate the turnover. We'd like some sort of consistency. We'd like to actually see some young players on this roster. And then obviously we saw, you know, last season, bronze health mm -hmm. is up and down, you know, AD's health is up and down. Like the thing that actually does work in our favor is when we have young bodies, athletic bodies that play the game in the modern style of basketball, up and down transition, shooting threes, getting to the rim, that sort of thing. So we drafted a guy like that. Um, we drafted a guy, who, who fits that mold and I'm glad that we got him, you know, and I don't know if we're going to have him, if he's going to be on this roster at the, at the start of the season, or if he's going to finish the whole season with us or what ends up happening, but he's a good prospect. I like him a lot, you know, and mm -hmm. he fit, he checks off, you know, like on some of the yeah. stuff that we wanted, we wanted a, a, a good sized player, which he's six, five, six, six, probably in shoes, six, six, um, mm -hmm. strong body, good playmaking skills. And we're talking about Jalen, like it, we got a guy that, makes sense he fits with what we want out of the team and somebody that we can develop further and as as i mentioned he is he was coached his aau coach was uh uh coach rich richard jackson uh who's a mutual friend of both of ours um mm -hmm. so congrats to him congrats to very team cool. Thad, uh aau basketball team i think they're out in georgia um you know they yep. got one of their kids on the lakers and so i'm happy for him and i'm happy for the lakers yeah, out of uh, Indiana, Jalen Hood, Chifino, um, really nice point guard, 6'6", six, 6'10", six, uh, wingspan. I don't really follow the draft, and I think you you don't really follow no, college basketball as yeah. Mel. 
I just love when, you know, the hat is picked, you know, the name gets decided and I can just dive into um, all the film. College basketball is weird. It's hard to find like full games of stuff, you know, so you can really kind of find clips and stuff here. But no, he's fun, man. He looks like a very mature 20 year old. Both of, I believe both uh, Maxwell and Jalen are both 20 years old. But you watch Hutchivino, looks a little bit more mature. Looks like his game is a little bit more refined. He looks like a pro, and, and he's talked about this, that like he knows that he wanted to be pro for a very long time. His body kind of, um, he's been working as like his physical and his body and his like nutrition for a very long time. But uh, I guess I want to start here. I'll ask you this. Um, to me, like his most NBA skill is like a pick and roll guard, right? Mm -hmm. I think like pick and roll guard and a like defensive guard as well. I think he's very physical. I think so people have called him like not athletic. I'm not sure I agree with like I get the sentiment of like he's not a he's not a vertical athlete, but he's super sure. physical, right? Like if you're not athletic, you have to at least be physical. I think like those are two things that like our guards kind of had a trouble with last season yeah. where they were not only not athletic, they were also not physical. And like that's yes. a really tough combination to have. And I love that we went with a guard that's extremely physical. Guys pressure him and he he welcomes that. He'll get you on his back and he likes to shoot with a little bit of contact. He can hit the mid-range shot. Um, but for you, is that, do you agree with that? Like that's his NBA kind of ready skill right now is like pick and roll guard yes. can get to a spot. Obviously not a three point shooter yet. The form to me looks real. I don't know what you think. Um, but like, is that, do you think next year that's where he contributes? Yeah. So I, I think like his immediate impact. So I, I feel like the, like Joey and Jesse have been pretty consistent when they grab these guards, like mm -hmm. you're either getting like these super skilled, like an Austin Reeves type, like he's very, he's very skilled yeah. offensively but very scrappy defensively or they, or they go the max Christie route where they get a guy who's a little bit more raw offensively, but is like yeah. really sound like his. Um, so Shafino has Jalen has really nice defensive technical skills. And yeah. that's something that I remember you and I both said, I said, we, we said this about Christie. We said max has really good technical skills defensively. And that's actually something that I think NBA fans don't respect. Like, like the big name guys, the Drew Holidays, the Kawhi Leonard's, like those are the guys that you'll hear it about. But like a lot of, you know, defense is something in the NBA that like people are trying to, the analytics guys are trying to apply trying to a metric to catch yeah. all of it. But they're so like, the, I always like to say that everything that you think, the laundry list of different things that you could say about an offensive player's bag, there's a defensive bag that defensive players have. And, you know, like when I watched Max and I remember I was watching Max in Vegas, summer league. Um, mm -hmm. And I was just like, this kid has like, you could see the way he plays, the way he moves, the way he reacts. He has a good foundation of defensive technical skills. And so when I watch Jalen, I feel the same way. And mm -hmm. I think you, what you, the way you summed it up is right. I, I don't think the people that are saying that he's not athletic um, are wrong. And I don't think you're wrong either. I think your context is 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 like apropos. Like, there, he's not an explosive athlete, but he's right. a physical athlete, right? So, like, think about the guys around the league that are not explosive defensive or offensive players, but they're they're physical players, right? So you think of guys like a guy that we just talked about, Malcolm Brogdon, very mm -hmm. physical defender. He will play you chest to chest. He has no issues um, playing it that way. Drew Holiday. I'm not saying that he's going. Jalen's going to be these guys. I'm just saying. That, sure. that gives you an idea. Drew's not a super explosive athlete. He's a guy who's very physical with you uh, on both ends if he has to be, whether he's posting you up, navigating a pick and roll, trying to bully his way to the rim or get a floater off or whatever it is. So, like, there's like a – I agree with you. 
I think a lot of his impact we'll probably see in pick and roll defensively, pick and roll offensively, because he's a big guard like uh, Austin. Like he yeah. won't be affected by the physicality of, of defensive guys. Uh, when he uses a screen, he won't have to worry about getting blocked from behind as much as, mm-hmm. as somebody, you know, as, as a guy like Dennis Schroeder probably would. Um, and so like stuff like that is always helpful. Um, and physicality on the wings is the way you win NBA championships. So it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I like the pick a lot. Yeah. Uh, again, like physical guard, you know, it reminds me of, and again, these are like the top 1% outcomes yeah. here, right? Like if, he hits even if he's a rotation player you've, you've done your job reminds me a little bit like darren williams like kind of like where yeah. how he plays very physical darren williams would dunk on you sometimes but he's not like a major crazy athlete you know not doesn't really live in the air kind of guy um but always makes the right read i love his pick and roll passes um i think i was i was you know listening to stuff on him and they said like he played in a system where not a lot of spacing around him a lot of uh two big lineups uh, mm-hmm. a lot of big men in the paint he had great um, success with – I forgot the pick-and-roll guy that I think he went to the Warriors, Trace Jackson Davis, I believe. Oh, um, man, I was hoping that he would go undrafted <laughs> so badly. I was – the Warriors snagged him with, like, the second-to-last pick. I was hoping he pick. would yep. – yeah, we could grab him as an undrafted guy. But go yeah. ahead, yeah. No, 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 yeah, for sure. And, like, uh, he had great, you know, pick-and-roll chemistry with him. Um, that's why I'm so excited to watch him in summer league because guys like that to me, Vinay, pick and roll guys, yeah, those are guys that kind of flourish in that environment. Summer leagues are very chaotic, it's not very organized, not a lot of you know, there's not a lot of offense that's running that's very structured. Uh, so a lot of it's very pick and roll heavy base, you know, kind of read and react. Um, that's why I'm excited to see him in that environment. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I love the pick again, looks very mature. We'll talk about Max, we'll talk about Maxwell here soon, but it looks like a guy who knows who he is, like he's very yes. comfortable in his. Comfortable in his own skin is the type of player I see him. Comfortable in the type of guy he is. He's not. I don't feel like he's gonna go out there and try to take six step back threes. You know, try like. Yes. Um. I agree. I, so I've seen him compared a little bit to Talon, right? T- uh. Tht. <laughs> and, in in terms and like, of like what, like his pace? Like in terms like, of in terms of like a guy who needs the ball in his hands, who's going to a team that probably okay. won't give him the ball in terms of in that. I think the difference to me though, Talon feels a guy who's like. Uh, we we've had many conversations about Tht, but a guy like. <laughs> I, I saw, as an aside, I saw somebody post a tweet. They're like, do the Lakers ever miss with their draft picks? And somebody responded and said, you know, well, they did miss with Taylor. And I was just like, I felt like responding to it. I was like, we didn't miss with Taylor. Taylor just didn't want to do anything else other than exactly. score the ball. So it's a little bit different, but go ahead. Well, no, also like Taylor was sold as, hey, like you're our star. You're up next as the star, right? That's yeah. kind of how he was molded. I can't blame Talon for like, all right, then give me the ball. Like, you yeah, know, like, fair, like fair, yeah. <laughs> don't play me next to Russell Westbrook and LeBron James. But, but anyway, that that's a side note. Um, but um, Jalen looks like a guy that's very comfortable in his skin. Uh, you yeah. watch him play; he's very uh, some qualities on him that some attributes that's been said is you can't rush him, you can't speed him up. Um, and I think those are really great qualities for a guy who you're going to kind of pencil in as a really third string mm-hmm. guard, hopefully backup point guard um i just i just love the control in this game and he also he has to be able to shoot i think he's a good guy that can like attack closeouts you have to be able to shoot to do that but Mm -hmm. um i'm excited man throw him into our you know developmental system Mm -hmm. uh starting with the summer league Uh, but looks like a like a fun player to build with yeah and 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 i think the offensive side of his game will will probably take a little bit longer to come come along but you know if we see if we see impact at least defensively if he's helping crash the glass on long rebounds. If he's pushing the pace, getting the ball out of his hands quickly when it makes sense. Um, you know, like even with Austin, like that was one of the things that we used to talk about when it came to Austin, like when he had the ball in his hands, you couldn't speed him up. 
Like he could navigate mm-hmm. a pick and roll and not get rushed because he was comfortable taking a mid-range floater or pull up or, you know, trying to be crafty or even do kickouts and stuff like that. So it's like, I think there's a lot of, in the NBA, there's a lot of like um, craze about guys that will just come in and start chucking threes at a high rate. And they like, everything's about like being explosive, explosive, athletically explosive offensively, like, but not everything needs to necessarily be that way. Like you watch a guy yeah. like Nikola Jokic, he just plays basketball at whatever pace he feels like playing. And they just won a championship doing that. So, and LeBron is probably one of historically, one of the masters at controlling pace. And he's never been sped up, you know, in his career for like 99% of the time. Um, and so like getting guys that are comfortable, you know, with back pressure, getting guys that are comfortable with, being in a congested lane and being able to make a yep. read or, or get a shot off. Like that's the kind of stuff we want. And so if that takes longer for him to get there, that's fine. Uh, I don't mind it, but you know, some of his college tape looks really good. Like it doesn't look yeah. like he's getting like wide open looks. Like usually when you see highlights mm-hmm. of him or when you see highlights of players, it's always like a bunch of wide open threes, a couple of ISO cool ISO mm-hmm. plays. And then you're like, okay, well how much do I really get out of this? But you watch some of his highlights he's in a congested lane having to, you could see exactly. him make the reads in some of those mm-hmm. highlights. And it's like, Oh, okay. So he has a nice process when he, that he goes through when he does it. So I, I think, you know, I think he's going to be good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he, and I don't know if he's going to get like 20 minutes off the offer it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets into a game is productive and sees carves himself out a few minutes um, early on. In yeah. The- yeah, it looks like he has every pass out of the pick and roll. Um, yeah. it, it looks like he's not just reading, he's manipulating. He has a lot of like he's looking one way and hitting bounce passes the other yeah. way. Um, just like a really uh intelligent passer. And I think he has the size again, six six with a six ten wingspan. Um, crazy Maxwell Lewis also has a six ten wingspan. It just looks so long because he's so skinny. Yeah. Um, but you know, at least you know, on paper, uh Jalen has the same. It was funny, you brought up Austin, and I was thinking about this. So so I don't know if, how much you've got to watch. We don't have to talk about him. I don't know how much you've got into look into Demoy Hodge. I don't know if you got to look. look. I, I haven't. I, yeah, I, okay. I would be. Yeah, I can't even fake it. I don't, no, I don't, no, you don't. Yeah. You don't. You don't need to. But anyway, Demoy Hodge. Just quick. Uh, spark spark notes on him. Uh, shot seven threes a game at forty two percent. At forty percent. But the reason he slid, he's twenty four years old and he's six four. Mm. Right. He's an undrafted guy that we got on our two way. Okay. He's a. He's, we gave him a two way deal and he's undrafted. I don't think we contextualize how freaking absurd the Austin Reeves story is. Imagine if Demoy Hodge in two years is the third leading scorer on a conference final. Game. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I was like, I was like, damn, it's gonna be like it's a long shot for him to make the roster. Then I thought, like, man, Austin Reeves was in the position like two seasons ago. So I thought, yeah. you know, that's just that's just funny that like you can um, just. I still don't think we contextualize that as much. But no, Jalen Hood, Shafina, I'm really you know excited to to watch him and and he'll get the start. I think he's gonna be given the ball in summer league and. Say like, hey, let's see what you can do um, with the with the basketball in your hands at the 17th pick. Yeah, yeah. So, so excited to see what he's doing. Obviously, we're gonna, I think we're going to get another look at Max Christie, Cole Swider. We're going to see what those guys also have to contribute um, to it. But the guy that the Lakers moved up to get, um, you know, there was specul- mm. speculation that that first rounder was going to get moved. So we may not have had Jalen on the roster or not. But the guy that it looks like the Lakers were going to go after, um, which is the guy that they traded up for and gave up that $4.5 million, was Maxwell Lewis, this kid out of Pepperdine, who, Rod, this kid is absurd as a scorer. I'm saying, like, his size 
he is attacking with either hand. I watched a highlight of him use a he he crosses with his left foot over his right foot with a hard dribble right to get the guy to get the defender to turn his body as if he's going that way, steps back and then switches the switches his crosses his dribble over to his left hand because he the defender can't recover fast enough because the dude is so damn long himself and he finishes it with a layup. And I was like, dude. And the crazy part about it is he does it in almost like a standstill motion. So you ever yeah. see like Phil Handy do those exercises where he's like, oh, this this is what we call this cross. You step this way, jab this mm-hmm. way, go the other way. And I was like, bro, this kid is like 6'7 with a crazy wingspan. I was like, you don't see 6'7 guys making these sort of moves. He's getting low to the ground. His center of gravity looks amazing. And then obviously you pull his highlight reel. There's a bunch of dunks of him dunking on people and, and making a bunch of highlight dunks. But – his offensive technical skill is so good that I will not be shocked that if he is the like talk of not just Lakers summer league of mm. the summer league coming up. Uh, so so uh, before we get too much into like, yeah, yeah he's yeah. the next one. Uh, so I got Sam. So we both have friends around the league and I got DMs yeah. like, Oh, this guy's going to be better than your 17th pick. Yeah. I was like, all right, then what am I missing? I got, so I watch it. So, I watch his tape. I'm like, this is absurd. Like, like, like we just went, we just went 20 minutes on Jalen Hutchinson. Really excited for him. I can place him, right? I can like yeah. backup point guard. I know what his role is. I like, I know what he's thinking to be in the league. Uh, you know, whatever. I watch Maxwell Lewis. I'm like, I have no freaking clue. Like, I, I, I literally have no idea where to place this dude. Looks like a Brandon Ingram with a step back three that can that shoots 40 percent on catch and shoot. Was yeah. in like the nine. So what did teams with what am like what's the cat what's the catch I guess let me ask you that what's like the catch with him this is, so what why I've do you heard, think he fell why do you think he fell so so what I've heard um from folks who have played against him uh is that his IQ is a little rough meaning that he when he gets the ball in his hands he has a little bit of tunnel vision which if you harness that correctly you can get a guy like Jordan Poole out of that. Obviously, they're different heights, but you see how the Warriors basically would play Jordan Poole in this role where they would say, okay, you're going to get the ball every single time we come down the floor. We're going to play four mm-hmm. guys that defend, and we're just going to let you be really, really great offensively. And, you know, they won a championship that way. Um, I've heard that that he has a little bit of tunnel vision offensively okay. when it comes to him. And, and it's not that he can't make reads or that he's he's uncoachable. It's not nothing – or he's, like, dumb – and he doesn't understand what the coaches are telling him. It's just his natural proclivity, like his natural intent is to score. And that's okay because sometimes, you know, if you put him in that role in the bench, um, if he ends up being like a bench guy, we can use something like that. Like the yeah. Lakers last season desperately needed a wing-sized guy to be able to score, and we didn't have that until we got Rui. And once Rui came in, he literally exploded onto the scene. You know, game one puts up 29 against the Grizzlies in a win for the Lakers in the playoffs. So I think that's the catch that I've heard on Maxwell. I haven't seen tape on his defense, so I'm going to have to take a look at it. There might uh-huh. be some issues there, but he can score, dude. He, he can score <laughs> in bunches. And he can do it in a lot of, like, Raj, he's hitting, like, post-up it looks, fadeaway. It doesn't make turns, sense. Yeah, it turns over the the wrong shoulder. Like, it's like, all right, dude, we don't have a guy that can score like this on our roster right now. So Let's see that. But see, that's where I like wings have been uh put on the pedestal for the last two years. Everyone wants a six eight 
scoring wing, yeah. right? That's what, that's like what everybody would like. Like, can you handle, shoot? Um, and if you've got the, I feel like if you've got the length, like I feel like that's a guy you take. It's just weird. I watch him I'm like this dude. I, again, we don't. I don't follow college basketball, so I have no yeah. real like able to speak on it. You know, in a in a strong capacity. I'm like, man, there's 39 better prospects that uh that, that went ahead of him um so and he was pretty high on i see some people people's boards yeah like that's why I, I give the ingram comp just because like he looks like a guy that is trying is figuring out his body in terms of like yeah. what he can Could do be. like he's so long i don't think he knows it yet like i see him in transition and like he'll take two steps and he's at the basket there's one one play i saw from him where like he caught it in the corner he pump faked um and he dribbled like once and like he had like two long strides and he reversed it i'm like Dude, this dude looks freaking insane. And then all the step back moves, the isolation moves, those just look unreal. And, uh, you know, you, you said he's going to be the talk of summer league. He's another guy, again, I feel like these type of dudes really flourish in that environment. Long, mm-hmm. um, going to be super athletic, can get up, uh, can get there in transition. All those step back threes. Um, I think he shot like 40% on his catch and shoots. I think he shot like 30-something in total. That was not a good Pepperdine team either, right, I believe. Yeah. Um, that was like a terrible team where he was the one guy who can go get a basket. So I think like that kind of maybe blinded teams. But, no, he looks insane. I love the pictures of like Joe – I think it was Joey Buss yeah, there Joey, in like yeah. February, February um, scouting him, uh, which is which is really cool. It looks like a guy that they've had their eye on. But uh, what do you – like what's his like, – because he's obviously not going to be doing the step backs and stuff in – for the Lakers next year. Like that's not, I don't think that's his role, but I mean, if he's like in the 90 percentile in terms of catch and shoot guys, that's a guy you can play right away. The defense, mm-hmm. you're right. We have to kind of see how that looks, but I feel like he has all the tools at least. Like it looks like he's long, has the sick, has the six ten wingspan. Um, very lanky, a guy that probably need, I think he's put on some strength as well, but uh, what's his NBA? Like we just placed Jalen hood in terms of defensive guard that can run some pick and roll. What is, um, What's Maxwell to you? Uh, he, he I mean, early early on, he might just be like a like a very aggressive scoring wing. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a scoring wing, like a guy that just comes in and scores constantly every time he plays. But that's wing size, right? So when you think of like scores, you think of guys like Jordan Clarkson and, and th- that type of guys. But he's bigger than that. Like he's not, and the way he attacks is not like the way like like Jordan Clarkson attacks. Mm-hmm. But he does he does some stuff in ISO that I'll be like, all right. Right. I'm sorry. Like, let me just say this, dude. Like I have like, I can count. People can't see this. I mean, if you're watching the video recording afterwards, like um, on the YouTube, you'll see it. I count on my hands, like less than 10 people. I trust when I, when it comes to call like watching college players. And these are yeah. people who breathe basketball. Like, right. And these and like, I would say like seven, like eight out of 10 of them, like, they swear this kid should have gotten the lottery. And I'm like, bro, why didn't he go? He's like, he just has to work some stuff out. And, you know, teams teams aren't ready to do that with him. You know, like in college teams, they don't have time to do it with him. And so, like, mm. that's why I'm saying, like, if he, if he comes in and he has a really good summer league, you know, offensively, because that's really what it is. I, you and I have yep. been to summer leagues before. Those summer league games are very unstructured. Like, so if yep. you just go and looking to score and you can do it and you look good doing it, like you'll be, you know what I mean? Like you, you'll make a name for yourself. Um, so if he goes in and he does that and he has, let's say he has a good training camp with the Lakers, like could he potentially be like a, a scoring wing that just happens to, you know, that, that just happens to emerge not organically. Maybe Braun mm-hmm. misses a couple of games for rest or something like that. So he gets like a nice 10, 12 minutes. Like, 
who knows? Like, we just saw that happen with Lonnie Walker. Like, Lonnie Walker was a guy that people thought was going to be out of the league. The Lakers start him, and he turns into a 15 points per game, you know, off, on the offensive end, like, score. And people are like, what the hell? Like, what, where, where did this come from? Where was this the whole time? So I, I think the Lake, I think Joey and Justin, you know, they kind of know what they're looking at when, when they see. And it, it, it fits the archetype, right? Like, we sure. grab Christie, great defensive technical technical player. We have Austin. Austin's a fan, you know, like a fabulous offensive player. It feels like we did the same thing. Jalen is a fantastic defensively, technically sound player. And this mm. kid, Maxwell, looks like he could just score in bunches. And, and, and it seems to make sense uh, what, what they try to look for with him. Yeah, I, I I love that they went. I know you're saying he can contribute now, but I love that they went with like high upside too. Like yeah. I I love that people are like no, you need to go with a four year guy. I'm like a four year guy might not make the rotation next year. I mean, you might you might not, but I love that they went with a guy that they believe in. Um, and again, the talent just looks absurd. You just brought up all of that. What made me think, what made, what that made me think about was like Kuzma's rookie year, where like yeah. Kuz was a guy that walked into the league and could score. Like uh, obviously we think about it well i mean he's now like a 20 point a game score on bad efficiency obviously but i mean that rookie year was a magical scoring year for him he was hitting from three was able to hit from the outside and made his name in summer league like his summer mm-hmm. league propelled him to the preseason where he did well and then he became the 17 point a game his rookie year obviously you know built off of that but like i'm interested to see if uh maxwell can do that again like i have a tough time placing him i just watch him i'm like this dude looks like a star like not a star yeah. but like a guy that like that's the kind of archetype that I would put for guys in terms of that kind of um, mm-hmm. that build, that kind of skill, just super coordinated, right? Like you usually don't see guys that tall who yeah, are that, that coordinated. That tall is Raj. He doesn't stand upright. Like when he attacks no. dudes, like one of the things that I love to watch about, especially because the wing is be, the, the league is becoming mm. so wing oriented, is guys that are above six 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 seven. Do they get low when they attack you? Right. Right. Like this. I remember you and I both watch both watch like Kobe like. Kobe wouldn't beat guys off the hip, like off the strength of his first step, right? Like mm. he was a six six guy. It's not like he had a crazy when he was younger. He had a crazy first step, but as he got older, he didn't. But Kobe always played the angles, you know, like right, he always right. got you with the angles. I'm not saying this kid is like that, but he attacks people like that. He's not beating you just with a first step, right? Mm-hmm. He's not like a, a, a Russell Westbrook, John Wall, Scoot Henderson first step that's just gonna blow by you. Like he has to do stuff to get you out yeah. of position. And then score on you, and he does that, and then he gets low. He explodes out of those those movements, like you said. He knows when to use the long strides. He knows how to use his like. I'm very fascinated to see what what kind of camp he has, yeah. what kind of summer league he has. No, 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 for sure. Um, he has a like a he has a crazy uh snatchback dribble. Like you watch Nasty his tape, snatchback. just it's yeah. just disgusting snatchback dribble. And like those guys don't expect that from a guy where like. <laughs> Cause like he gets low, but the ball still has to bounce right like quite a while. Cause he's just like he's so tall. But like yeah. you watch him and like he has a crazy hang dribble. I'm not sure if we're thinking of the exact same play, but you just mentioned that one where like he drove um and kind of stopped in the around the free throw line. But like yeah. that's one that I, that really stuck out to me as well. Where um I forgot he was like attacking isolation, spin left or like spin yes. right, uh hang in the air and finish with the right hand. Like that's. Those are stuff that you don't see um, at 20 years old. So just looks like a absurd talent. And again, like the snatchbacks, the step back. He has like behind the back and transition that he uses. Just all kinds of stuff. Um, and another tidbit, I was listening to Raphael Barlow, who's a awesome draft dude, yeah. um, who's, been, who's been making the rounds. He said his his workout was like the craziest he's seen. And he said like 
He said the workout was so good that uh, this is direct from Barlow. He's like, the workout was so good. His agent told him, told Barlow, send me that video because I'm going to send it to teams. Um, but that's how good he was. And like, I think he gained a few pounds. He was like 195 or something, I think, yeah. coming out. And I think now he's in like the 200s. Just absurd, again, talent. Not trying to put the weight of the world on him. But uh, again, I watch him. I'm like, where's what's the catch? Like, what, like where's the. Yeah. Where's the like, oh, he does this terribly or, oh, he has a propensity to do this. And the ball, the ball hogging, like that's something that you definitely want to clean up. The defensive stuff, I, you definitely want to clean up. But I think you throw that in a winning environment and you kind of take your chances. So I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that, you know, a lot of teams um, re really let him go. Yeah, you I mean, you, you think about it like uh, I'm not saying we should run this lineup, but if he if he can show some of if, if his scoring his scoring does technically, you know, for the most part, guys that are offensively sound scorers, like they have offensive skill, they do translate into the NBA when they're put in the specific roles, right? Like uh, they're, they're, it's, it's not one of those things that like, you know, it's the guys that are like high motor rebounders, like the high motor rebounding part does translate into the NBA because that that's a, a role that people need to play that, that needs to be played um, for teams. Um, so having an off, you know, having offensive skill, having offensive scoring ability, shooting that sort of stuff all matters you know that helps translate but like could i see a situation where like you know the lakers at the end of a game or at some point in a game if the lead is big enough they, they give him minutes next to like max christie and Jalen, and yeah you know now all of a sudden this kid's being surrounded by a bunch of defensive guys and they're playing up and down basketball and now he's trying to get easy looks like that's what happened with coos like there was no expectation on coos like that mm -hmm. we didn't know what we were going to get and he ate off of Lonzo Ball's passing. Like Lonzo was mm -hmm. setting him up over and over again because yep. Lonzo wasn't looking to score. He was just looking to set up his guys and create and, and create advantages for him. And Kuz ate off of that. And you can see like how a guy like Jalen, if that's his mentality, I'm just going to attack to create and then play defense. Like you can see how so that sort of stuff may translate for something like him. Lonzo is an incredible passer. Like his IQ is yeah. super high. So it's, you know, hard to replicate that. But Sometimes it's just a matter of looking at what that guy is really, really good at and what he's not good at, and then surrounding him with the guys that they want to, you know, that 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 fit around naturally complement what he wants to do. So yeah. I'm I'm fascinated. I'm very fascinated to see how good yeah. he looks. Yeah. Last thing I had on him was um again, you don't see a lot of this because he's a guy that had the ball a lot in his hands, but there were like a lot of plays where he'd screen and pop, and I feel like mm -hmm. he looks very comfortable with that. And usually don't get the full package of like has crazy handle you know, has a crazy crossover game and like the step back looks clean. Like the jumper form looks clean. Yeah. like all those combinations. You usually don't get those um, in one player. That's why it just like his jumper looks like a guy that thinks he's a jump shooter. Like he doesn't yeah. look like he takes shots just because he's open. He's taking like contested um, like step backs. Uh, I talked about, there was one in, against UCLA against Jaime Vasquez, I believe where like um, he drives right crosses back and Vasquez is like still in his wind He's like just pulling up from like a three, and it just looks ridiculously clean. Uh, he has some other ones where like he pump fakes and shoots, and again, all these actions that just look smooth for a guy that can kind of operate off the ball. Um, so I'm really interested to pair him kind of with um, uh, with Jalen Hood and see if they can like have a nice pairing in summer league along with Max as well. Max, by the way, training with Drew Hanlon, I think that was dope. You know, Hanlon is uh, not a guy that Hanlon doesn't hand out workouts like they're yeah. free. He's uh he's very um I think he's 
very particular with who he gives um, workouts to. Not saying he you know, obviously if an all star calls him, he's gonna take their call. But yeah. usually with like guys, you he's very you know particular. So it's cool to see Max work out with him. But yeah, yeah. man, Maxwell looks dope. Matt, he looks like somebody who is going to like the one of the first things that you and I are probably going to be like, oh wow, he really reads closeouts really well. Like that's like the mm. first thing people are probably going to say about him. Like when the ball gets swung to him, he like knows whether to attack or whether to you know to shoot it. You know, based on what he sees. I remember that was like a thing with Austin. I was like, every time Austin gets a ball as the ball swinging around, he almost like always makes the yep. correct decision every single time. And that's like an underrated IQ thing, like how mm -hmm. how you decide to attack that closeout. Um, Max, because he's so gifted, he looks like he's very gifted or skilled offensively, might be one of those guys who's like that, who when yep. he gets the ball in his hands, he's just making the correct play. It, it may just come down to does he make the correct – he makes the correct reads, but what does he do after that? Is he just looking just to score or is he looking to do more, a little bit more than that once he once he creates the advantage that he wants? So, yeah. Um, yeah, man, I'm, 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 you and I are both going to be in summer league. I am, I can't wait to see that kid play. Yep. Uh, I, I, I think he's going to be much better than that 40th pick allows. And everybody I've talked to has said he should have gone in the first round. So I'm, I'm, you know, there, there, there has to be something that's wrong with him. So I, you know, you and I are both saying the same thing. There's got to be something there that, you know, he doesn't do well, which is why he didn't go in the first round um or as high as people have projected him to maybe it's because of the school that he went to people didn't go out and scout him like that that's also a thing too as well but you know as laker fans we're gonna we're gonna root for his his uh, success and his highlights so we can take over summer league yet again for another year um gassing up yeah. our guys over everybody else's <laughs> yeah um and that's why it was so cool it feels like you know joey and and jesse and the whole scouting department why again i was so adamant like but now i want to keep these draft picks and uh, yes. i feel like i got my wish like if they're terrible, don't blame me. But I like I just I'm <laughs> I'm really excited to have, um, I, so because my other reasoning on this, like I feel like the scouting might be the best part of what we do. Bro, we're gonna like, get in, okay. Let, let let's be honest. We're getting impact guys. Like Austin Reeves is an impact guy. We are our, our sure. most impactful basketball player last season was somebody that Joey and Jesse found. It wasn't somebody that came in free agency, and it wasn't somebody that like we traded for. Like honestly. So, like, at this point, I remember I was talking to my brother about this. Not to, sorry, not to cut you off. Like, no, you're good. We have to start respecting the fact that these dudes are bringing in impact players. And I get it. I get the fans that want to trade the picks because they want to go all in. But it's like, dude, we're drafting impact guys now, too, the same way we could sign impact guys off the street. Yeah. And look, so I think, <laughs> first, like, I, I, I brought up the Demoy Hodge, Hodge story. I, I think Austin Reeves is such a bar that, like, it, it that's so unprecedented, right? That's an unprecedented thing that, um, it's it, like that. That's not that should not be your expectation, right? Like, you, sure. should, uh, you shouldn't go in to be like, "Hey, Jalen Hood should be dominating year two. That's not really. It's not usual how it works. Yeah. But I do like my point. Why I was so adamant was because I think the draft part is the best thing we do. It's yeah. like it's it's obviously something that those guys are extremely passionate about. Um, it's also something you can't throw away, right? Like, it's not something that you can pay to go like uh you can just trade you can trade picks and all that it's why i'm trying to keep these as much as we can because i think it's the best thing that that we do as an organization i'd like to give these guys more chances and see if they can find um you know you get all these undrafted or late second round picks just get them some guys up in the early round um just look at the league it's filtered with guys that they've chosen or found or you know um kind of brought up through our system um and i'm not sure if these guys will be ready in day one i still think the whole context needs to be around 
they're gonna be on a good team hopefully right like um so oh, i think i just found out i'm muted on spaces maybe oh shoot were you oh, oh yeah you are muted on spaces. <laughs> oh, okay uh, yeah i don't know how long oh. you're muted on spaces. i apologize <laughs> for this for the space listeners i don't know how long you're muted for but uh um no yeah so you know like as we were saying like uh well i only got a message 20 seconds ago that you were muted so might not might not have been too much um, okay yeah but yeah no like we are getting impact guys I, I agree with you it's not something that we can ignore like if these guys end up being and it doesn't start with just reach right like caruso was also like he actually contributed to a championship uh winning a championship in la <clears throat> and you know obviously reeves helps us get to the western conference finals so it's like we're also reaching a point where i can actually turn around if it happens again raj if it happens yeah. again i can make the argument that we draft more impact players than the persons that are in charge of i know who they are uh, the <laughs> people who are in charge of making the trades to bring in the players that we're supposed to bring in Right. That should tell you something about because I don't believe it's the same people, or I don't want to say I don't believe. I know it's not the same. Like when it's the draft, I think Joey and Jesse are the guys, the lead guys who lead that project. When it comes mm -hmm. to making, right. am I, I'm going to trade Michael uh, Malik Beasley for this guy or this guy or this guy. I think that's a different team within the organization or a different leader within the organization that makes that decision. Still collaborative. Just the, the head guy is a little bit different. And I can make an argument that Joey and Jesse are finding more impact, better impact guys, or equally impactful guys as the other dudes are, um, yeah, the right. other folks are. And that should tell you something about how good they, they've been so far. Hundred percent. I think you know. I didn't know that if you get a phone call, it mutes the Twitter space. So I think that's oh, what, okay. that's what that's what happened. Um. So apologies for that. But no, what I was saying when I was muted was, um. I think you were talking about you know Austin Reeves uh, previously. I think that's a tough bar to reach. That yeah. that expectation is really tough. That should not be where you set your expectations on. Um. But the reason I was so adamant on picking the picks is because I believe as an organization, it's the best thing they do. I think this is the this is the elite skill of our organization is drafting and obviously pulling stars as well as hundred percent part of that. But um, I think like, this is what also guys that are up there are passionate about as well. You see them in the war room. I, again, I mentioned it earlier. I love the photos of like Jesse Buss at a pepper nine game in February, you right. know, scouting, going out and scouting, there, doing the work. That was the, that was the, uh, how, how do I say it? The things that Magic Johnson wasn't doing, right? Let's yeah, just fair. put it, put it, put it to that. Um, he was not going out and scouting college basketball players, and then he was drafting Mo Wagner. Um, anyway, uh, but uh, <laughs> like, but uh, but I, like, it's nice to. Ha I, I was right. gonna say, I thought we were, I thought we were gonna draft like, if if somebody else had been in charge of doing our draft, I would be like, yeah, we're probably gonna draft some Michigan guy. <laughs> and then I saw there's a kid that because uh, I haven't watched him, but that Kobe Bufkin kid. I think he's from Michigan. I was like, oh, his name is Kobe and he plays for Michigan. We're probably going to draft him for sure. Oh, I don't know man. anything about him, of, but we're probably going to draft him. A lot of people wanted him. Yeah. Um, also, strange he's that, Yeah, he's apparently a good player. So, also, no, no offense also, to him at all. Like, Atlanta took another guard, which is at you know at their high yeah. pick which doesn't doesn't make any sense no that's not for this this conversation but um yeah i also think that the whole context around these players should be that they're joining a good team right they Absolutely. should be in theory they're joining a team that's good that has deep players as much as we're gonna um 
crucify the players that didn't play well in the conference finals. They're still NBA guys. If they're back on the team, they're ahead of these players in the rotation. That's Absolutely. all should be yeah. something to be mindful of. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't be excited about these guys. Cause I think we both are. Um, and I think the scouting department has earned a benefit of the doubt to where even guys like me or even other guys, I see people leaning my way is like, Hey, yeah, you could trade him for another player, but like maybe you get a cost controlled player that those yeah. are very valuable in this new CBA. Um, and maybe you hit on one of these, uh, maybe you get a 17th pick that hits a little higher than you would. Um, and I said this before as well, a guy, maybe they have as on their lottery talent board, right? You don't, we don't know their board. I don't know exactly what, who was up there. Um, I'm sure they like some guys that went, went before them, but, uh, it's just exciting, man, to have young talent and infusion of young talent after the AD trade, we kind of traded a, you know, a lot of those pieces where it was tough to kind of bring in young, cheap talent. We also traded that away in, in other, other avenues or let them walk it's nice to kind of have a replenishment of that you have max christie um you have the two guys we just drafted obviously austin reeves you have rui hachimura who's you know not young super young but in his like mid-20s it's just nice to have a replenishment of young youthful guys that i think help in the regular season and then have a chance to you know contribute in, in winning winning situations yeah so, so so you know we we talked about jalen we talked about max we or maxwell we talked about um mm-hmm. You mentioned Demoya Hodge, you know him attempting seven threes a game and being a defensive player, and 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 you know I think he shot like near forty percent or forty percent from three right. on significantly high volume. There is one guy that is left that we should give, you know, because we do have oh, some yes. time left that we should discuss. The other two way player that we signed, Colin mm-hmm. Castleton out of Florida, who also shares the same agent as yep. Austin Reeves. Um, he's a a big, I think six. A lot. Is he a true seven footer? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, I looked he's that a up big, while you're talking. Yeah, 6'11", seven footer. Uh, we signed him to a two way. A uh, lot of folks that, again, neither you and I watch college that deeply. So, I, you know, I asked for the cliff notes. The people I mm-hmm. trust said he's a, he's a mobile big. Um, you know, he's not like a heavy footed big. He moves. He can pass the ball out of the post. He can pass the ball from uh, above the three point line. So. I'm, I'm glad to see that. I don't know what's going to happen with him. You know, what kind of rim defender he's going to be, how he gets used, but it, he does sound like a modern big. Like one of the things that you and I have talked about over and over again mm-hmm. is, you know, what is the next paradigm shift in the NBA? Like what is the thing that everybody's going to do? And obviously everybody's looking at Nikola Jokic after winning a championship and thinking, Oh, mm-hmm. I got to find that guy. But those guys just, they don't grow on trees. They're extremely hard to find. <laughs> And they don't sure. exist, you know, like there's a reason why he is who he is. Um, yep. But there are things you can extract from it. And one of the things that I think you and I both discuss is if you're going to draft a big in the modern NBA, uh, that big has to be able to move his feet defensively and offensively, meaning he has to be mobile. He can't be a heavy, heavy footed guy. And he has to be able to move the ball. Can't be somebody who just stands around waiting for a guard to run up to him to set up the DHO has to be somebody who will dribble the ball, move the ball around the floor. Um, we see guys like uh, Mason Plum Lee do that for, for the Clippers. Um, you've seen plenty of, you know, even DeAndre Eaton does that to some degree uh, for the for the Phoenix Suns. You want a mobile guy. And, th- and that's what the Lakers want to go get. They want to go get a big dude who can pass. I think he can shoot. Um, and he can move the ball. And he's a mobile big. So I- I'm glad to see that. It- it's-, it's good to see them go in that direction. Yep. He's he's got some heavy shoes to fill. He does have Austin Reed, Austin Reeves' agent, so you know, unfairly, I, I think some of our fans. Yeah, that that's that's so unfair, like, dude. Uh, yeah, well, and 
But I, I think he said that he he turned down some opportunities to get drafted oh, yeah. in the second round, so he could, yeah. he could have this opportunity. So I'm I'm fascinated to see what comes out of it. Yep. Shout out uh, Aaron Riley, who's a Austin Reeves agent, and obviously yeah. sharing the agent with here. Uh, you know, when you build a bridge, it's either to walk, it's either to kind of walk across. So I'm sure yeah. that conversation was a little bit more smooth this year. Yeah, I'm excited to see. I'm not gonna pretend like I've gone deep into his film. Uh, I've been kind of stuck on the two guys we drafted, but uh, looks like a guy I've seen comps to like Marcus Soul. Obviously, those are one percent kind of if he yeah. reaches those, but I think that's kind of the attribute, right? Kind of a a playmaking center. Um, Kind of reminds me a little bit when I watch like kind of Zubach where that maybe yeah. we got our next maybe we got our next Jay Huff who knows <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the legend of Jay Huff yeah, yeah no legend Jay Huff who's strangely in Washington now which is uh interesting yeah. um I believe so shout out I hope Jay Huff's doing well uh but um yeah like it feels like you know he's another kind of playmaking big uh, I don't think he's like a shooting big but he's a legit six eleven um I think he can you know rim protect a bit and again another exciting guy to watch uh obviously austin worked out we'll see how he goes again it's an unfair comp to put on him but i think he is older as well if i yeah. you know if i if i remember correctly so hopefully a guy that um people when they say older i think like you just automatically just has more experience but when i think about it vinay i think about they have their nba body right yes really. like that to me that's where is really the important part maybe the game is you know a little bit more advanced in terms of how much experience they have but having an nba body especially at the center spot i think is really important um like dallas just drafted with Derek lively like who they're expecting to come in and be their rim right. protector from ray did from day one i think it's really tough to get like a 19 year old to come in and be like hey you know stop lebron james from driving to the basket you know like <laughs> going from from, from like college basketball to now you, you know what one of the things that's kind of helpful is when, when we grab yeah. these sort of guys that are that are you know much more experienced because they've been in college yeah. for longer they know I, I feel like those players know it was the thing with kuzma too right like because kuzma was you know, a tenured uh college player at the same time like we used to see uh we saw the contrast between kuz and brandon ingram and i'm pretty sure if you pulled up tweets from laker fans at the time during their rookie seasons in the nba you know, a lot of Laker fans are like, well, Kuzma is our future, not Brandon Ingram, you know, but that was a test of Kuzma having those seasons in a college season versus, yep. you know, Ingram being a 19 year old one and done player or whatever it was at the time. So I, I think the point I'm trying to make is a guy like Colin, same way with like a guy like Austin, he knows what he is. There's no confusion about what he's good. He knows what he's good at and what he's not good at. And, you know, it's easy to drop some of those guys compared to like maybe a Maxwell Lewis, like, you drop them into a role and be like, yo, I need you to do this off the bench for us. And he can just go do it because yeah. he, that's what he's done his whole career. He already knows what his strengths are. He doesn't really play too much outside of his game unless he, unless he has to. Um, so could be an impact guy. Could be a yeah. guy that, that uh, could, could save us, get us some minutes, um, serious minutes. Yeah, Definitely and, going and to be a guy that I pay attention to in the summer. hundred percent. And I, I just loved our, uh, so we went on him just like, the draft went exactly kind of how I wanted in terms of a theory. Like I, I was really hopeful. We went upside. A lot of people, are like, yeah, draft the four-year player. Like I get that. I, I totally get the the thinking behind it. I just yeah. love we went with the upside in the draft, and then went with like in, in the undrafted pool. Um, we went with guys who are older, who have their body. Like you kind of hit on those guys that are yeah. overlooked, right? They drop in the draft due to their age. You know what I mean? Are they? You know the the fact that they're already older and their upside isn't as high. Um, I love that we went with that. Like, if you look at the Warriors, right? Totally, they went straight with the, you know, um, more experienced guys in the draft. Yeah. Um, and they obviously 
the trading of Jordan Poole was a mentality shift from a franchise perspective. I just love that, you know, we were able to get those guys. And I think, Vinay, we, we gave out those two ways really quick. Like, that was a yeah. really quick, like, last year that's not what happened. Like, I like I believe, if I remember correctly, um, we waited until, I believe, Summer League before we handed out the two ways to Swider and... Um, Scotty. And... Yeah, on, Scotty it was Scotty, right? It was Scotty. Yeah, not, well, not Barnes. Sorry, um, Scotty Pippen Jr. Yeah, um, Cole Swider, by the way, still has our still has a two way. Uh, very. So, I, like I, I think in like the I, new CBA we have three now, right? Yes, you have three. Yes, yes, okay. yes. I think I'm the last one on the Cole Swider um, ship, but uh, everyone else has sailed away. I still. I, uh, <laughs> you, still you and I attended a game. You and I attended yes. a summer league game uh, mm-hmm. during the season uh, out here in Ontario. And South, we were just, uh, yeah, South Bay, mm-hmm. South Bay. We want, we watched a South Bay game. We were watching them play. We watched Christy play. It said the same thing. Christy looks great. Mm-hmm. The, the mm-hmm. reads decision-making. The only thing that Cole Swider has, I mean, obviously he has to knock down some shots when he actually gets minutes. That's one thing. But yep. the only thing, like one of the biggest knocks on him, which you can tell right away is he's not a good defense player. He doesn't even have like his feet no. are bad defensively. He, he's kind of running around. Like he's very confused. Um, so you know, hopefully he's worked on those sort of things. You know, obviously we've talked about the the four guys that we've got this this season, but I would love to see Max Christie make a name for himself. You know, I yeah. would love to see uh, Cole Swider come out. You know, and tell Maxwell Lewis, "No, this is not your turn. It's still my turn to to you know make a name for us." Like there was mm-hmm. a lot of buzz over Cole Swider last time we were in summer league. People, every time he shot the ball, like everybody was like, he was... "Oh, sh- this guy's gonna get hot. Is he gonna get hot?" And and you know, um, we love to see those guys now that they've kind of had their opportunity mm-hmm. to um experience the pressure of wearing that laker jersey uh to see if, if they can if they can break through uh in their sophomore years we forget like i remember darnham after like game uh four of the preseason uh it was absolute tire fire of a of a season to begin yeah. but he's like i'm gonna go with my real rotation <laughs> in, this, in this like in this uh preseason game five it was i believe right and i remember i'm like oh like i'm gonna watch very intently like what yeah. are what are rotation Cole Swider was like the second guy off the bench. It's like, oh man. <laughs> I was like, can't, oh, can't trust that oh, coach, oh man, yeah. we're, we're we're in trouble. And then I think Cole Swider got hurt, and then uh, Matt Ryan yeah. took his place. And we know the Matt Ryan story. I guess we can close on this. I want to ask you this because I I think everyone has a different theory on this. I have my yeah. thoughts, but I'm gonna get yours first. Max Christie, year two summer league, right? Do you put stock? I guess or what? Better question. What do you put stock in to a second? Because I think first year summer league, it's very tough, right? Hit or miss. You see extremely great lottery Hall of Fame players struggle in their first summer league. Mm-hmm. Or you see guys play well. There's a there's a wide range of spectrums. I think the second year, there's a pretty narrow kind of like once you've gone through a rigid NBA season, once mm-hmm. you've seen NBA level defense, I do think there's a year two expectation at least, right? Fair. What where do you what what do you put stock into for year two? Let's make it specific with Max Christie, right? Our second year guy. I don't really put Cole Swire into this because he got zero Fair. NBA um experience really. Although he was in NBA practices, so maybe that counts. But Max Christie got real game tape minutes whatever yep. how much stock do you put into a second year summer league experience if any if any yeah i i honestly the stock that i would put into it um see uh, let me separate the word out or uh, separate the thought process out i don't put a ton of stock in it because i don't know what the lakers are going to run right obviously miles simon is gone like i don't know what okay. what they're going to be doing if they're just going to be letting them play or whatever what i do want to see out of max christie when he has minutes is 
that he's not deferential to his teammates when he doesn't need to be deferential to his teammates. There should be an okay. attitude, I think. You know, there's that story about how Taylor Horton Tucker was telling players, like, oh, I, I shouldn't be here. Like, this, I'm too good to be in these situations. Yes, yes. Like, I need to see that out of my... – Taylor was a little ahead of himself when he said that. But, like, with Max, I, I, want, I want him to have that attitude. Like, mm. okay, that's cool. We got these rookies. But I have this one-on-one that I'm just going to take it and I'm going to score on this stat guy. Or, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna bully this dude to the rim or, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm going to take this shot with confidence. Like, he has a very nice mid-range pull-up. He's yeah. shown that he can use an escape dribble below the mm-hmm. below the three-point line to get himself open looks. Again, he's long arms, uh, very athletic, very, like, rangy, very crafty, like, the way he moves his body offensively and defensively. Like, I want to see the confidence. Like, yep. if there's one thing that we know um, – like you can see confidence in a player, like when it clicks for them, when they're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. this is easy now." Like I, yeah. I, I want to see that with Max, and I want to see that confidence in in his ability. That's that's really what I want to see out of him. Yeah, for sure. I remember. So the guy I kind of compare this to that I want to see. Obviously, Josh Hart was a four year or a three year college player. I forgot yeah. what it was, but he was a multi year. But I remember that second year, Josh Hart, and Josh Hart again didn't get a lot of on ball reps and stuff like that. Remember, you could see like, oh. Like the game is slow. Like I can, yeah. I can really, I can really manipulate the defense. I can get to my spot if my not, shot's not going. I can get to the line, right? I know what yeah. call, I know what contact is called. If that makes sense, right? Yes, like yes. In, a, in an NBA kind of scenario, um, and I want to see that from Max as well. I think he has more than the capacity to do that. I feel like he has enough off the ball, off the you know, um, off the dribble bounce and uh, creation abilities that I think he should be able to have a really good summer league. I'm not looking at it from a stats perspective, but I think the confidence part that you just put it is, is, um, is correct. He can really get to his spots. He should be able to be really comfortable. Should not have to be rushed. There should be no defense that really gets to him, um, especially in summer league environment. Um, Obviously I I think like they're going to give the ball to hood Shafino and have him create, but I think Max can more than, you know, in more than enough possessions, call his own number. I'm clearing this side and getting to my spot, stuff like that, that like can't do in the league yet, but I feel like summer league's the right place for him to really hone all those. And then obviously the catch and shoot, you know, opportunities are going to be there. Um, He should just be in a better condition than anyone else. Like he's, he looks like he's in incredible shape, at least from the photos looks in, Mm -hmm. you know, absolute great condition. Um, Now I'm, I'm expecting a big summer league for him. So um, yeah, man, should, should be, should be exciting. Yeah, man. It, it, we're, we're looking forward to it. Obviously, if you yep. guys have been following us in the spaces, like me and Roger have already said that we're going to be there first weekend. We're going to be out there in summer league. We're going to be locked in for that 8 o'clock game on, on July 7th. We'll be in the building, yes. hopefully with some good seats, because I expect a bunch of Laker fans to be there anyways. You know, the summer league continues mm-hmm. to grow in popularity. A lot of people go. It's an amazing – it is actually an amazing time. You just see players walking around, like, in the arena and, mm-hmm. you know, around Vegas and stuff like that if, if you do any of the stuff – you know, gambling or whatever, if you go out on the strip for anything for. Um, so we're looking forward to it. Raj, this was an excellent episode. We covered yep. a ton of stuff as always. Um, and, you know, it's always wonderful. It's always enjoyable to do this. So as always, you know, um, this will be up on your podcast feeds tomorrow. Um, we will have the video up on YouTube. Uh, if you, if for anybody who comes in late, um, wants to see hear the recording again, But as always, we want to thank all the folks that are in the spaces. If you don't subscribe to the YouTube, we are partners with the YouTube program. Not doing anything with it yet, but if you subscribe to it, you'll be notified when we start doing like member only sort of live streams. And, you know, Raj and I are brainstorming a ton of stuff for for next season to do that, that can help, 
make the game enjoyable the way we like to talk about the game unfiltered and you know just candidly and you know uh, away from the drama and the theatrics that that you normally get but as always we appreciate all the folks that are tuning in with us here uh late saturday night to to talk about the draft picks and, and lakers basketball uh afterwards um we hope you have a great weekend uh whenever you're listening to this and you know you guys just have a wonderful time and we'll catch you in the next one take it easy Peace.